Welcome to the podcast of Maranatha Ministries. I'm Rick Frank, Senior Pastor of Maranatha, and I pray you'll be blessed by today's message. You can access all of our church information by going to our website at www.mmchurch.com or on all social media by searching at mmchurch. And now be blessed by listening to today's message. I am going to read in our Bibles from Matthew chapter number 2, and I'm beginning with verse number 1. If you're not seated, you can just get seated because I'm going to read a number of scriptures here um, to preach from today. Chapter 2 of Matthew, I'm beginning with verse number 1. The Bible says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and now let me just let you know that, of course, it is well past Christmas, and I'm still preaching from Christmas scriptures. But if you've been following along since the first of the year, I've had a burden on my heart to preach about the wise men uh, searching for him. And so I'm going to continue on with that theme. Uh, And so from verse number one, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And that's been the, the uh, message titles of my sermon is, Why Have You Come? Why do you come? Why, why do you seek the Lord? The wise men came to worship him. And so this is going to be part three. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give part three a, subhead, a subtitle. Just bear with me here. But listen to what happens here. We have come to worship him. Verse three says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, where is the Christ, where, where the Christ was to be born? So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also, which was a lie. He had no intentions of worshiping him. Uh, Verse number 9, When they heard the king, they departed. Now listen carefully to what happens here. The star, behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly, exceedingly great joy. I want to talk to you tonight, or this, this afternoon, it's not tonight yet. I want to talk to you this morning. It's not even afternoon yet. What's wrong with me? It's been a long day for me, as you can see. I started very early this morning. I want to talk to you today about part three of my series here, and I want to subtitle this one, What Happened to the Star? What Happened to the Star? The reason I want to mention and, and, and title this, What Happened to the Star, is because of what happened because the star disappeared. Now, it's interesting to note, and I want to make sure we understand the timeline here, that the star appeared to these wise men, and they began to follow it. They saw his star in the east, and they followed that star. 
They got as far as Judah, and the star disappeared. Now, God did not need to, God did not have to have that star disappear, but it did. They lost sight of the star, and as a result of losing sight of the star, they went to Herod, assuming that Herod would surely know where the next king is. And he didn't, but he sure wanted to. He wanted to know where the next king was. So the Bible says that they went to Herod, and they asked Herod where the king of Israel was to be born. So Herod, of course, called Jerusalem together, called the wise men and the scribes and the Pharisees to determine exactly where the Messiah was going to be born. They determined it was in Bethlehem. I pointed out last week, this is a continuation of last week, I pointed out last week that um, all, of, all of Jerusalem heard this news, but not all of them cared because they didn't all go to seek him. I want to be one of the ones that seeks him, that goes looking for him. Uh, but uh, the wise men came to Herod. They asked where the king was, and then they left. But they did not go back to Herod because they were, the Bible says in verse 12, they were divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, so they departed for their own country another way. Now listen to what happens here. All right? And this is why I've named this sermon, What Happened to the Star? Because, because of the fact that the star disappeared, this is now what takes place. Herod, verse 16, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and he put to death all the male children who were born in Bethlehem. And in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. That's what happened because the star disappeared. The star did not have to disappear. Didn't have to. God could have let those wise men follow the star because when they left Herod's temple, they saw the star again. And it led them directly to where the Messiah was. Why couldn't it have just led them? Do you ever wonder that? Has anybody ever wondered that besides me? Why couldn't he have just led them? Why did all these children have to die because the star disappeared? At God's doing. It wasn't because it was a cloudy day. And even that you can blame on God. He controls the weather. Let me tell you, first of all, that the fact that Jesus is born is not good news to everybody. Jeremy, it's quiet in this house today. Checking. Is this on? When we're good? You can hear me up there in the balcony? Shout an amen once in a while, would you, for me? All right, there we go. You got to keep it up now, and I said, to start preaching, because I'm going to preach some heavy stuff here. All right. The fact that Jesus was born is not good news to everybody, and the fact that Jesus is alive today is not good news to everybody. Not everybody is happy that there is a Messiah that wants to take control of your life. Not everybody wants a Messiah that becomes the Lord of all in your life. A lot of people want to keep God in his place. Ah. Listen to me. Do not stop telling people about Jesus just because they don't want to hear it. Because sooner or later, somebody's going to want to know where he is so they can come and worship him also. (laughs) 
Now, some people are not going to want to hear it, and I'm going to tell you why they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it for the same reason Herod didn't want to hear it. And I'm going to tell you what that reason is. Some people do not want their little kingdom being challenged by another king. Some people do not want their little kingdom being challenged by another king. And I'm here to tell you, if Jesus is going to be your king, he will not play second fiddle to anybody, including you. In fact, we need to do inventory once in a while, and that's a good reason why I'm preaching. I think that's why I felt to preach early on about these wise men seeking him and, 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 and making this trip and following the star uh, because we need to do inventory, I think, every once in a while to make sure that we haven't allowed our own little kingdoms to rise up challenging his ruler, his lordship in our life. Because flesh is a very deceiving thing and the carnal nature is a very deceiving thing and it is constantly battling God for rule. And we've got to constantly keep it under subjection. That's why we preach fasting. That's why we preach prayer. That's why we preach church attendance. That's why we preach giving and tithing. We do all of these things to help us keep this flesh that is constantly warring against God for rulership. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life completely. Yeah. Completely. So God let this star disappear for just a short time. And if he didn't, they would never have gone to Herod. And Herod wouldn't have known anything about the birth of Jesus. In fact, Herod was long dead by the time Jesus showed up at 30 years old to start his ministry. Herod did not need to know this stuff. He wasn't even around to be challenged. And yet, God sent them, those wise men, to that man. And I'm going to tell you why. Listen very carefully. If you're watching this online, don't walk away from your computer screen or whatever you're watching this on until you hear this statement. Something always must die if Jesus is going to be born. If Jesus is going to be born in your heart, something in your heart will have to die. If Jesus is going to enter into your life, something in your life will have to die because there is always a king. There is always a highest authority. And when Jesus comes in, whatever was the highest authority must die because Jesus will not share his glory with another. So we have come to worship. I want to talk about worship for just a moment here. We have come to worship. And we start with the inner essence of what worship truly is. And then we work out to the public expression of the worship. You know, all this hand clapping and singing, lifting hands, it's just an outward expression of what's taking place on the inside or what should be taking place on the inside. Because if you've got your hands raised while your mind is a million miles away, you might as well raise your hands at a baseball game. 
My friend, when you go to lift your hands to the King of Kings, you need to focus your mind on what you're doing. Because true worship, what true worship is, is a valuing or a treasuring of God above everything else in your life. Now, when I first came to Pentecost, this lifting hands was odd because I came out of a denominational church that didn't do that kind of stuff. And yet the Bible's filled with it. Well, guess what had to happen? Either he's going to die or I'm going to die. If I refuse to worship by lifting my hands, even though the Bible tells me to do it, and I'm going to fold my hands, guess what? He's just died, and I'm still alive. When I say I'm going to do it his way, I die, and I make him live. Something's got to die if Jesus is going to live. Praise God. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15... Because there's a difference between the inner essence of worship and our external expression. And yet Jesus said, this people, because you can come to church and raise your hands and still not have Jesus dead in your life. Just because someone's got their hands raised doesn't mean that Jesus is their Lord. Because Jesus said, these people, they honor me with their lips. In other words, they sing, they worship, they clap their hands, and they lift their hands. But he said, they honor me with their lips. He said, but their heart is far from me, and so in vain they're worshiping me. I don't want to worship him in vain. I want to make sure he is Lord of my life. Lord of everything. Because you can do as many good deeds as you want to and go to as many church services as you want to and never really truly be worshiping God if it's all just external and nothing's happening in your heart towards God. Because all true worship is, in essence, a matter of the heart. Always. So, in order to truly worship God, the Bible dictates that something must die. Something has to die. And there are many gods in our lives. And in fact, even after we set Jesus up on the throne of our life, there are other gods that start vying for that position. They start vying for it. They try to pull him down, set themselves up there. And if we're not careful, we allow it to happen. Next thing you know, we're running things again. <laughs> I almost wanted to ask, is it okay if I preach like this? But the first lady gets so mad at me when I say that. She said, will you just preach what God laid on your heart and quit asking if it's a, us if it's all right? If you don't think it's all right, shut the, shut the screen off if you're watching this online. Get up and leave if you don't like it. I'm not apologizing. I'm preaching what God told me to say. There are many, many gods in every single one of our lives. Many of them. There are gods of jobs, gods of cars, gods of family, gods of wives, of husbands, of children. I'm here to tell you, every single one of them must take a second seat to Jesus. Now, biblically, biblically, and this is where I struggle, but i got to preach it. Biblically, 
Jesus pointed out that there are two major gods that we struggle with. One is him, the other is money. Now, I'm going to talk about money for a moment because the Bible says, Jesus speaking, no man can serve two masters. He's either going to love one and hate the other or he's going to hate one and love the other. But you cannot serve God and mammon, and that word mammon is, it means money. You can't serve God and money. So I just want, I'm going to talk about money for a moment. But before I do, I want you to understand something, okay? We are experiencing the worst winter we have ever had since we've been in this building. Our heat bills are higher than they have ever been since we have been in this building. Can you imagine that? We've been here. This is what going on? This is 11, 11 years. We have never, and obviously, I mean, it's been zero for what? <laughs> As far back as I can remember. Why am I telling you that? Because every bill is paid. That's why I'm telling you that. We're not struggling to figure out where I'm going to get enough money to pay the heat bills that are going. The bills are paid and there's extra money in the church bank account. All right? I'm not worried about finances. You got that? Everything's paid. There's balance still in the account. The trustees know it. Anybody wants to see the books can see them. Financially, Maranatha Ministries is doing great. And yet, I'm going to preach to you about giving. Because it ain't about what we need. It is all about what you need. You need to put Jesus Christ in the top spot. And the only way to put Jesus Christ in the top spot is to put everything else under him. And the biggest one is money. Money is the biggest obstacle we have in serving God. You cannot serve God in money, Jesus said, and tithing is what shows where your heart really is. 10% of your income, that's a lot of money. Is it more important to you than Jesus being the Lord of your life? What's more important? Well, I don't, I don't know if I could live if I really gave 10%. Why don't you start praying and seeking God and asking Him to help you? Start somewhere. How many of you can pray for an hour a day? It's hard to pray an hour a day. So what do you do? You start with a minute. You build it up to two minutes. Build it up to three minutes. How many of you can just all of a sudden say, wow, I can just fit 10% into this budget? Sure. Maybe you can't. Maybe you need to start at 1%, but you got a goal. I'm going to get to where I am giving tithe because I am putting God above everything. And there's nothing, let's face it, there's not a whole lot more important to us than our money. I got to preach about money, not because the church needs it, not because I need it. I got to preach it because you need to make sure Jesus is Lord of your life. And something's got to die. Listen to what Jesus said. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees, you hypocrites? You call them hypocrites. Why? Because they were careful to tithe on even the tiniest income. See, tithe doesn't matter. What are you preaching, pastor? You're careful to tithe on the tiniest income, and you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. See, tithing isn't important as long as you're filled with justice, mercy, and faith. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you should tithe, yes, but here's the other side, 
just because you tithe a full 10% plus given offering, don't think you got it all together. Don't you become proud of what you do. And don't you start dictating how things should run because I'm the biggest tithe supporter of this church. You don't get any more say than the guy that puts 30 cents in because they made three bucks. Your say is no more important than the, than, the, than the kid that put a dime in because he made a dollar. Tithe is tithe, my friend, and your amount of your tithe doesn't give you extra, extra clout. You should tithe, Jesus said, but don't neglect to do these more important things of justice, mercy, and faith. What's worse than a person walking up and putting all kinds of money in the offering plate and harboring animosity towards their brother and sister in the church and thinking they're better than they are because they make more money? I'm here to tell you, Jesus needs to be Lord of all. And in order for him to be Lord of all, I'm telling you right now, there's nobody listening to me that doesn't have something that needs to die. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it this way. I'm telling you what, every day I wake up and I look and see these things that that have crept up and he says, I have to die every day. Every single day. I gotta see what gods are vying for that top spot, and I gotta pull them down and make sure Jesus is my Lord. <laughs> Praise God. For Jesus to be born in your heart, something's gotta die. Every day. And I close with this. This is an old song. I think the Laney Wolf Trio originally wrote this. I'm not sure, but I think so. The words are from 30 or 40 years ago. They still apply today. He said, in my heart are kingdoms of a world that's all my own. Your world is yours. Your heart is yours. You're the Lord of your heart. Only you can decide, I'm going to take the second back seat and make Jesus Lord. A world that's all my own. Kingdoms that are only seen by myself and God alone. Only God knows what's in your heart vying for that top spot right now. God knows. And if you'll seek his face, he'll show you what it is. Chances are you already know. (laughs) In the past, when I tried to rule my world, it just seemed to fall apart. So Jesus, be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. And then the chorus went on to say, Jesus, be the Lord of all the kings of my heart. But then this is the part that I know affects me. Because I'm no different than you. I got flesh just like you got flesh. I got battles I got to fight. I'm a consistent tithe payer and then some. With every dime, I don't, I don't give a, you, you don't give a, you, God, and thank you all for your love offerings during this holiday season. You blessed the first lady and I, before I even divvied it up and gave her a little bit of it. 
She got half of it. Probably more. She got half of it and then spent mine. Because <laughs> she forgot hers. She left it home. <laughs> Before I even divided it up, tithe and, offer, tithe and offering came out of it. I've determined I'm going to be a generous giver, and I'm not just generous to the church. God gets my tithe, and he gets offering. And then I'll go get a cup of coffee through the drive-thru. I'll, I'll, oftentimes, and it's not because I'm rich. My kids will tell you I'm not rich. But oftentimes, I'll take a $10 bill after I, give them, after I pay for my coffee and, 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 and give a couple bucks for the tip jar. I'll take a $10 bill and say, here, get yourself a cup of coffee when you go on break. Sure, it's $10 I could have used for something else, but I want to bless people. I oftentimes, don't I? I oftentimes do that. I go through the drive-thru at McDonald's. How many of you have ever tipped anybody at McDonald's? I try to give them a tip at the McDonald's window, they think you're nuts. Oh, we don't take tips. I said, it's not a tip. I want to buy you dinner when you, when you, when you get your break a little later on. Why? Because I don't want money to ever be something that makes me focus in on it. And I, and I, I, don't, I, I don't mean that. I, I don't mean to say, I'm starting to sound like Joe Biden up here now, aren't I? I, I, don't, I mean, <laughs> I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I guess I only... Let me get back to the writings here. Okay? Let me get back to the notes. I guess I only fooled myself. Why? Because I said I yielded all. But in a secret corner of my heart... I found a kingdom that did not fall. I surrender now. Make my heart your throne and rule its kingdoms, great and small. I don't want anything vying for that top spot that belongs to you. I want you to be able to ask me anything and hear me say, yes, Lord. Because I want you to be the Lord of all. And if that star had to disappear to show us that something always dies when Jesus is born, then let that death be me. Let that death be me. And you have your own way. Can we stand together? Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Ministries podcast. If this message touched you, please make sure to subscribe for more sermons from Pastor Frank and the ministry team here at Maranatha, as well as follow us on our social media platforms. We are located in Schenectady, New York, and if you are in the area, we invite you to join us during our weekly Sunday service starting at 1030 a.m. We look forward to you joining us again next week for another anointed message. Thank you and God bless.